the official podcast of the Chillicothe Paints. This is Horsin' Around. The latest inside information from the Paints and the Prospect League. Now, here's the voice of Paints Baseball, Jacob Wise. Welcome into another edition of Horsin' Around, a Chillicothe Paints Baseball podcast. Can you believe it? Eight weeks already in the books this season. And I always say that the Prospect League season is kind of a marathon and a sprint because obviously 60 games, a lot of games over two plus months, but it really seems like you blink and the season is almost over. Just two weeks and change left here in the 2021 season. And the good news is the paints are still very much in the hunt for a playoff spot with only 14 games to go four of which are against the team that they are chasing for the final playoff spot in the division, the Johnstown Millrats. We'll get into that a little bit later. Also coming up a little bit later in the show, you'll hear my conversation with longtime player host Ron Atkins, my guest this week on Horse and Around. Ron and his wife Carol make up one of our vitally important host families that take in Paints players each and every season, and they treat them like members of their own family. Before we get to that, though, let's recap the week that was, and it was a very busy week for the Chillicothe Paints with eight games in six days. Started with a matchup with the Prospect League's top team in terms of wins and losses, the Lafayette Aviators coming to town on Tuesday. And it wasn't the start to the week that the Paints were looking for by any stretch. Chillicothe, a few times this year, has been victimized by early big innings, and it happened again Tuesday as Lafayette scored six runs in the first inning. It wasn't an entirely boring game though as it featured 25 combined hits and eight combined home runs, three of which were hit by the paints. Lafayette hit five home runs. Two of those were three run homers. That really was the difference in the ball game. The paints hit three home runs. Two of them were solo home runs, one each from Ben Gabor and Alex Ludwig. Nathan Carafa hit a two-run bomb for the paints in a eventual 13-5 loss to Lafayette. Wednesday, it was the first of back-to-back doubleheaders against the West Virginia Miners, and the Paints went down to Beckley, and Game 1 on Wednesday was actually the completion of a game that was started in the middle of June, and that game was suspended due to some really severe thunderstorms that sent us out of the ballpark early. The Paints were leading 2-1 to in the third inning. Chillicothe felt pretty good about themselves, but the Miners in that game scored the final six runs to beat the Paints 7-2. to in Game 2, the Paints' bats were cold again in a 7-1 loss, so 0-3 to start the week for the Paints, and the thought began to creep in just a little bit that maybe that's it. And at the time, it felt like you know those two games were a great chance to make up some ground with the Miners really struggling here down the stretch. Paints lose both games. It really stung quite a bit there at the end of the night after those two games in Beckley. But you fast forward 24 hours in another doubleheader against the West Virginia Miners, this time, though, at VA Memorial Stadium in Chillicothe. Left-hander Dane Armbrustmaker from Western Michigan made his first start of the season in Game 1, and boy, he was excellent. Went six innings, allowed just two runs on three hits. He struck out nine. Paints got all the offense they needed in the bottom of the third inning after a West Virginia error allowed the Paints to load the bases with two outs. The inning should have been over. Third baseman dropped the ball as he was trying to catch it and step on third for a force out. Allows Kent Reister to come up with the bases loaded. He hits his second grand slam of the season, putting the paints up four to nothing. The Miners did scratch across a couple of runs in the sixth inning, but the paints won that game four to two. 
In game two that night, it was another strong performance on the mound from a paint starter, this time from Tyler Worley. He allowed three runs, two earned on three hits over six innings. West Virginia scored first in that one with three runs in the top of the third inning. Chillicothe, though, was gifted a run in the bottom of the fifth as Jake Shire walked, and then he scored from first base on an errant pickoff throw that went down into the right field corner near the paint's bullpen. In the bottom of the seventh, down 3-1, to one, Shire was hit by a pitch. Riley Priest walked to put a couple of runners on with one out. Alex Ludwig hit a hard grounder that went right through the legs of the first baseman, scoring Shire. And then the Miners intentionally walked Kent Reeser to load the bases. Obviously, they still had Kent's grand slam from game one. Still fresh in their minds, so they put Kent Reeser on base. Ben Gabor draws an RBI walk, scoring Priest. That tied the game at three. And then with two outs, Nathan Carafa hit a walk-off single to left field, scoring Alex Ludwig. And the paints poured out of the dugout to mob Carafa between first and second base. Jake Silverstein came out with the Gatorade jug, and we got a great shot of him dumping that on the pile of paints players celebrating. Ice went flying through the air. What a difference 24 hours makes. Paints feeling much better about themselves and their chances after sweeping that doubleheader on Thursday. Friday, Zach Kendall started for the Paints, another strong start for the Paints pitcher. Kendall went five and a third, allowing three runs, two earned on two hits. He struck out eight. This time, the Paints hit the cover off the ball, scoring six runs in the first inning. They added three more in the third. Ben Gabor hit a solo home run for the Paints in the fourth inning. Chillicothe scored three more runs in the sixth inning and then walked it off with two more runs in the seventh to grab a run roll win 15-5 to over the Miners, and they beat the Miners for a third straight game. So they take the series over West Virginia three games to two. It also evens up the season series at seven games apiece with four more to go, and that is important because West Virginia still has a shot to get into the playoffs as well, so the Paints want to lead those tiebreakers over both the Miners and the Mill Rats in case of a tie at the end of the second half here. So Saturday, the Danville Dance came to Chillicothe, and that was a great game to watch for about six and a half innings from a pure baseball standpoint. Quality, quality pitchers dueled through six and a half. Patrick Dunn for Danville, Justin Diefenbach for Chillicothe. The Paints broke the scoreless tie in the bottom of the third. Trey Smith singled to lead off the inning and then later scored on an RBI ground out by Kent Reeser. In the bottom of the fifth inning, Riley Priest singled and then scored on a sacrifice fly by Kent Reeser to make it 2 to nothing. And then things got crazy in the bottom of the seventh. The first eight Chillicothe Paints batters reached and they all scored with no outs in the inning for a second straight walk-off run rule win, beating Danville 10 to nothing. And all of a sudden, the Paints are on a four-game win streak. They really feel good about their playoff chances. And by the way, can't say enough about the job that Justin Diefenbach did Saturday night. A complete game shutout win, seven innings, no runs, only allowed three hits. He walked one, struck out five. A really, really impressive outing by Diefenbach there against a very tough Danville lineup. Then Sunday, the Paints and the Dans went at it again to wrap up the week. And for the first handful of innings, it looked very much like the night before. Chillicothe, for the second straight night, broke a scoreless tie in the bottom of the third. This time, it was Riley Priest with a two-out double. He was knocked home two batters later by Kent Reeser. And then for the second night in a row, the Paints took a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the fifth inning. Jake Shire reached on a fielder's choice and scored on a double from Alex Ludwig. Mike Whitty made his first start of the year for the Paints. He was good. He held Danville scoreless through five innings. He allowed five hits. He struck out five. 
And then that's where the similarities between Saturday and Sunday kind of ended as Chillicothe's bullpen was unable to hold it together on Sunday. Danville got a couple of walks in the eighth inning and then hit back-to-back-to-back singles, tying the game at two. And then a couple of one-out walks in the ninth inning set the stage for Danville's Cooper McMurray to hit a three-run home run, giving the Dans a 5-2 comeback win. So the Paints go 4-4 four and four this past week and are now 8-9 and nine here in the second half, just two and a half games back of the Johnstown Mill Rats with a couple of weeks plus to go in the season for that final playoff spot in the Ohio River Valley Division. Interestingly, though, the Paints own the fifth best overall record in the Prospect League at 25-21. and 21. It's the best record in the division by more than a couple of games, and the Paints have five more wins on the season than any other team in the Ohio River Valley Division. But it doesn't matter because the league is playing a first half, second half split season that rewards playing well for one half versus playing well for the entire season. One player note I do want to mention, and if you've been listening to the Paints games on the radio or on our uh, radio stream this year, you'll likely have heard me mention it several times over the past week. Kent Reeser has now reached base safely in 28 consecutive games. It's the longest active streak in the Prospect League right now, and it is just too short of tying the longest such streak in the Prospect League here in 2021. Andrew Stone of the Cape Catfish reached safely in 30 straight from June 2nd to July 6th. Kent Reeser's streak started back on June 6th. So Kent has reached in every single game he has played in since June 6th, and that is extremely impressive. This coming week for the Paints, thankfully, no doubleheaders on the schedule. Uh, Very, very happy to see no doubleheaders on the schedule here to start the week. But it is mostly made up of road games for Chillicothe as the Paints play 10 of their final 14 away from VA Memorial Stadium. Tuesday and Wednesday, the Paints play a two-game series against the Millrats in Johnstown. So obviously a great opportunity to really make this playoff race interesting. Paints are home for the only time all week hosting West Virginia, and then the Paints travel to Beckley to play West Virginia Friday before finishing up the week on the road over in Springfield, Ohio, Saturday and Sunday against the Champion City Kings. Only four more home games left for the Paints here this summer, but some great promotions still on the calendar in those four games. Thursday is Team Photo Giveaway Night by Mears Photography. The first 500 fans get a 2021 Paints Team Photo. It's also our final Thirsty Thursday of the summer with draft beer just one buck. Friday, July 30th is Fan Appreciation Night and our final post-game fireworks extravaganza of the season. That's sponsored by Budweiser. Saturday, July 31st, a really, really cool giveaway that I'm looking forward to. The first 500 fans receive a replica 2019 Prospect League Championship ring courtesy of North Fork Animal Clinic. You'll want to be there early to get that one. It's a real wearable metal ring. Comes in a a nice box celebrating the Paints Championship season in 2019. And it has a a pretty cool little display stand as well. So you can pull the ring out, set it on your desk at work, put it on your mantle, whatever you want. But a cool display there and you can have that metal championship ring. Kind of looks pretty darn close to the real ones that the Paints players and staff got after winning the Prospect League title in 2019. Again, big, big, big thank you to North Fork Animal Clinic for providing that giveaway for our fans coming up here uh, in a couple of weeks. The Paints wrap up their home schedule Sunday, August 1st, with another Subway Kids Day. All kids 12 and under get free admission, and it's also Bark in the Park, sponsored by Petland. 
Without further ado, I had the chance to chat with longtime host dad Ron Atkins before the Paints played Danville on Sunday. Ron and his wife Carol have been hosting Paints players for quite a while now, and he is a tireless supporter of the Paints and local baseball. I hope you enjoy our chat. Ron, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Hey, no problem. How long have you been coming out here? Probably 1998 when I moved to Chillicothe. Started bringing the kids out, and uh, after a while, we just got hooked on it. And At the time, going through a divorce, kids moved out, and uh, that's when, when I started doing the host family. I got lonely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're from Portsmouth, right? Actually, yes. So big baseball area down there as well. So yes. you move here to Chillicothe, and you find out there's a baseball team in town. That's a no-brainer, right? Oh, yeah. I've been to Portsmouth Explorer Games. Uh, I was living in Columbus, but I was always making trips back to Portsmouth to see my folks. But I've seen the paints play in Portsmouth. So About everywhere else, too, right? You've been uh, you've been I, on quite a few road trips. I try to go when I can. We, we talk about taking a vacation and just going out west and that's what we did a few years back and it was it was a good time got to go to hannibal quincy danville and uh we had a good time i've seen you at champion city a couple of times this year oh, too that's yeah. an easy drive yeah, right it's one one hour and 10 minutes maybe yeah yeah it's not it's not much at all for sure you met your wife here right yes i did um as i was you know i was a host parent so i was out here all the time and i'd always walk by behind home plate and I she sat in the same place every time and I finally got the nerve to ask her out and uh, the rest is history and she was fine with the host family thing too yes it took a little persuading at first I mean but I I explained to her I said you you know it's it's not what you think it's 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 something I think you'll enjoy and uh, that's what what most people think you know they first thing you hear out someone's mouth is you let a stranger in your house you yeah. know and that's the first thing was out of her mouth and i'm like you know these kids are great and i've never had a kid give me any problem they've all been fun it's awkward for them too because they have to go live with a stranger that they just met too yeah i i probably never would have done this but john wind was a pretty good salesman and uh, <laughs> yeah yes and he told me you know you know you're you're by yourself you're in that big house why not do it so I did it, and luckily uh, the first guy I got was uh, James Callahan from Florida, and he was the most laid-back, funny. I mean, he, you made him for 10 minutes, you felt like you knew him your whole life. So it made it real easy, and everyone after that, it was, you know, they're all different personalities, but they're all good kids, and I, I couldn't say a bad thing about any of them. That's what I always tell people who may be toying with the idea of becoming a host family is try it once and you'll probably wish you had done it sooner right yes yes i wish i would have done it sooner but uh you know like i said if if john wouldn't have got me into it i, I would have never you know met the people i've met over the years at so many families some we stay in touch with yeah. for years and years and good close family you know they come to our house visit us you know at times so that means a lot we have people fly up from florida georgia and have come spend a week with us this is players have stayed with us you know eight six eight years ago and and uh it's good to make new friends and it's good to meet people from other parts of the country and mexico we've had them from canada so pretty much covers east west north and south i've had them from everywhere but like I said, baseball players are different. You know, they're all, they're all, they're funny, but they're good guys. They're yeah. really, they all mean well. And 
I got two great ones right now and wouldn't trade them for nothing. It's like watching your own kids when you get here. You know, that's that's part of it. You come out to the ballpark. I don't miss many games unless I'm really sick. But you come out here to see, see them and you pull for them. You hurt for them. You know, you it's just like your own own kid. And uh, you have Zach and Kent right now, right? Zach. Zach Kendall and Kent Reeser. Zach got hurt the first night. That, that hurt, you know, because sure. I had Zach championship season. He stayed with us. And, of course, the COVID year. So it's been a couple of years. And he he hurt his arm. And But I know he wanted to, he wants to keep playing baseball. So found out it wasn't as serious as it was. And he's back on the mound and probably one of our top pitchers this year. That's the thing about Zach, right? Even if he's not, you know, his velocity is not what it was a couple of years ago. I think that arm's probably not still quite healed yet. He probably wouldn't tell us that, but no. he still battles and gets guys out, right? No. If he, you ask him to go 100 pitches, he'd go 100 pitches. You ask him to go 200 pitches, he would go 200 pitches. He's just that kind of guy. He's a team player. You ever seen the uh, Monty Python's Black, the Black Knight that has his arms cut off and he <laughs> yeah. says, "Put a scratch." Yeah. That's what Zach Kendall reminds me of on the mound. Yeah. He could he could have yeah. all of his limbs cut off yeah. and he'd find a way to get somebody so out. Come back here and I'll bite you. <laughs> <laughs> now you you've had players uh, for a long time and even going back into the Frontier League days. What's the biggest difference from a, a professional player who's a little older and uh, having the college kids around? You don't see the professional players much they're always you know out and about and uh, got their own thing going they're a little bit older so you don't worry about them as much but you still worry about them I mean I tell the kids now that all I ask you is just if you're not coming home call me that's the only rule I've got and it was pretty much the same way with them frontier league players it was like I do worry about you so if you're not coming home just give me a phone call or text and and I can go to bed and not worry about you yeah, like you said, they're like your own kids, right? Yeah, yeah, you do worry about them. And being in a new place, uh, I had one guy, he had Detroit. He was from Detroit, had Michigan plates, and he was pulled over five times on Route 50. Wow. <laughs> he said he was being targeted because of <laughs> Michigan. But he did have a pretty junky old car. And <laughs> and uh, the the course of the season, he was pulled over like five times. Was he a fast driver? Nah, not really. I he said he wasn't, right? He said he wasn't, but he said he was just pulled over under suspicion of, of I don't know, if the plates. So, I don't know if you remember Dave Frederick. Uh-uh. Yeah, from Wayne State. He was he was a funny one. So, you live out in Knock'em Stiff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you've got all kinds of land and a pool yeah. Yeah. and some toys for the guys to play around with. Yeah. Have you had any parties, unofficial parties, with the guys over this year? Not this year. Normally, at least once or twice a year. It depends, you know, what year it was. But some years they're out there every weekend. You know, it just depends. These two guys are, I told their girlfriends, they're kind of like, you know, the church guys. You know, these guys, you don't have to worry about them. <laughs> yep. It's like they're just two good guys and they're no partiers. They're not, you know, Kent's probably the hardest worker I've seen since I've been doing this. And he's he's so dedicated. And... um uh, He's got a routine. I, I pretty much know when he's going to come, when he's going to go, when they're home. But that's the thing people don't realize. <laughs> you hardly see these guys. Yeah. I'm getting off work. They're coming to the ball field. Half the time they're on the road. You know, Monday's about the only day, but that's the day they want to get out for themselves. So they, they, sure. they're usually out doing something on Monday. So they all 
they all have their own way. You know, it depends. A lot of it depends on where you live. If some of them are close, they go home on the weekends. But sure, I've had guys from far away that never had a car. You know, and those guys you seem to get close with because they they're always around. They kind of depend on you, and they're always around. They yeah. get they go do things with you. You know, they go to dinner with you, and and it seems like those guys. Lance Elder's a good good example. Lance and I still we we keep in touch. Uh, we actually met in Gatlinburg this year. He drove up from Atlanta. We drove down from Chillicothe, and he actually had the shorter drive of the two. But we met in Gatlinburg, and we spent the week together. He spent three days with us, and and it's, he's been what five, six, yes. seven years ago that he played for the Paints. Yes, it's been a long time, and uh, that whole group I still stay in touch with. The, the Jamie Lackner and Michael Hudak, that Your group. Jamie Lackner jersey uh, on today. Yeah, I'm kind of getting where I can't wear my paint <laughs> shirts anymore, so I'm, I moved up to the big size. So Jamie was a big guy. so I remember Jamie was, you know, set an unbelievable consecutive game hit streak record in college, and we get him in and we think, man, he's going to hit a bunch of home runs for us. He becomes the leadoff hitter because all he did was get on base. Yeah. Uh, in a year that the that. paint struggled to do that. Yeah. Went to the home run derby with zero zero home runs. <laughs> I think he maybe hit one in that home run derby, but still still did a good job. And uh, you know, Jamie was one of my favorites. Oh, he was a great hitter, man. He could hit the ball. Hardly ever strike out. Yeah, got on base a ton. Yeah. I want to get back to Kent. You know, you touched on Zach having a little bit of trouble early in the season. That first start where he hurt himself. You know, Kent maybe had the hardest start to a season in his life playing baseball. Did you guys ever talk about that, or you just kind of let him do his own thing? That's funny. We, he was hitting the ball hard a lot of times, and guys were making the plays of their life against him. In a few games, you know, back-to-back games, he had line drives. Guys just picked off the turf, and he he wasn't really swinging the bat bad, but everything bad was happening, and struck out a lot more than he wanted to. But we never really talked about it. We just kept saying, you know, it's going to get better. I told him, I said, I said, as hard as you work, it's going to get better. I was telling some people out here, he was introduced him to him and I told him I said I had him out in the backyard working with him and uh, <laughs> taught him a few things and I said didn't I Kent and he looked at me and he goes yeah he said that's that's why I turned it around so you might have picked up a few things over the years right oh yeah I've watched a lot of baseball and and it's relaxing to me it's it's I come out here and I forget about everything and uh everybody's got problems in life and uh you know, it's, it's uh, this is part of my therapy, I guess you'd call it. You know, yeah. you just and some people don't see it that way. They look at it like this is a boring game, you know. But I was raised, you know, we baseball. We were family, you know. Yeah. Every, every team you were on, you were a family, and that's what it's all about. And you feel like you've got a huge family now with all the players you've had <laughs> yes, over the years, and, and it's great. You know, I, you, Facebook made it nice to connect with all these guys. You know, so. And a lot of them I connected with. And actually, Marshall Plouffe's brother Trevor got me tickets to Cleveland and got Carol and I tickets for the field, you know, walk out on the field. We got in, got in two hours early, uh, met all the players from Cleveland and Minnesota. He was with the Twins at the time. And uh, I kind of followed him up, saw him play in Dayton, saw him play in Columbus with, with Rochester. And... Uh, he said, when I make it to the big league, just get a hold of Marshall and I'll get you tickets if we play close. And uh, he sure did. He come through. Got his weekend t- tickets, and then he got me tickets when he was with the Phillies and went down to Cincinnati and got to watch him play. And 
and his family came came to my house you know i'd have my i didn't have much of a house i had a small house here in chillicothe and i turn around and knock on the door it's marshall Pluth's mother and father and uncle flew in from california as trevor was playing at the time and had a game with beloit in dayton marshall was pitching the next night here well they scheduling pitch and here in chillicothe so they drove over from dayton in their rental car and I'm getting home from work, and it's like, you know, you meet these people. We're from California. We're Northridge, California. We're, you know, we're glad to meet you, and, and they're all so grateful. You know, you you, yeah. you have a, letting them, their child live with you. and I'm sure that's a big step for them, too. Just, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. go live with this stranger that oh, nobody's yeah. met before, right? <laughs> yeah, it could be an axe murder, <laughs> you know. But uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it, it's when they come in, I just say, this is your room. Here's wherever you do your laundry. We don't do your laundry. There's food in here. If we're gone, you, there's plenty to eat. Um, you come and go as you please. Uh, just like you would at home. I, I just try to make them feel that way. Some guys come in, they'll sit down, and, you know, spend the evening with you and chatting with you, watch a ball game or whatever. Some guys are more in their room playing their video games with their buddies, you know, so. Do you ever get to pick guys' brains about baseball? Just if oh, you're yeah. if you're sitting at home on an off day oh. or whatever, watching a game. Oh yeah, big time. I'll, especially the pitchers, you know. Yeah. When you're watching a game and see a guy make a bad pitch, or what would you have done in this situation, and and why? Yeah. And uh, I was just I was just telling the guy down here, Kent's been a blessing for his being able to bunt this year. You know, yeah. that's that's. I told Kent, I said, do you bunt very well? And he goes, well, we'll find out. And he said, I'm going to bunt some this year. And <laughs> He runs well. We know that. Oh, well, he, he runs real well. And uh, he's the first. We haven't had a guy that could bunt for a few years. Yeah. It's been it's been rough trying to bunt. It's kind of a lost art right now. Kind of reminds me of uh, Willie Mays Hayes in Major League. You know, with the <laughs> way you can run, you should be hitting the ball on the ground. But yeah. Yeah, Kent's got a couple grand slams this year. He's yeah. hit four home runs. and. Uh, he's he's really turned into a, a really fun player to watch, and we knew what Kent could do because oh, yeah. you know you're here not just for the Paints games. You're he- we have games all throughout the year, and Rio Grande plays quite a bit here. And during their conference tournament, he was one of their better players yeah. of all the teams that were here during the season. I think he hit 391. Yeah. Is that right? Something like that. And uh, I don't care where you're playing, 391 is that's hard to hit. Yeah, you know when people kind of are new to college summer baseball you you try to explain to them you know these are our college prospects they want to go on and play at the next level and some of these guys are going to end up making it to triple a some of them will make it to the big leagues and it's hard to kind of sell that to some people because it could be five six seven years down the road before that player gets there but you've seen it firsthand with some of your guys oh yeah there's guys a lot of guys now i follow in the minor leagues you know just it's fun to watch, get get online and Dylan Shockley. Shockley Shockley went to Double A or was it High A? High A, yeah. High A, pretty quick. And uh, Danny Cody, we saw Cody Orr from here. Yep. He wasn't one of my players, but he he's doing doing fairly well. So was he one of them that would come hang out at your house that year? Um, <laughs> no, that was not so much. Yeah, that year Chad was there. Yep. And Chad, I had Chad four years, and that's. The mayor of Chillicothe, right? He was. He could have been the mayor of Chillicothe. He was probably one of the nicest and one of the. Uh, I mean, I, he calls me dad, you know. And you, you, when someone calls you dad, out of you know, it's, it felt like it out of respect. And uh, 
was always so good to me and Carol, and we hated to see him go. You know, we was wishing he, he would come back this year, but things didn't work out. But I'm still – he still promised me to come to a game. I told him it's getting getting late. I got a ticket. Did you get to see Brian Bigham here yesterday? Yeah, yeah. I got to see his wife throw out the first pitch. Yeah, yep. on her birthday. Yeah. And I think Brian said that he and, and Greg Seipert are going to try to make it to a game here, here soon as well. So you'll have to – Keep yeah. an eye out for those guys. I know when you sit out on your perch out there <laughs> in the uh, in the corner on the deck, you can see just about everything, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like sitting out there. It's just uh, just the right view. I always like sitting in the outfield bleachers when I was a kid. You know, I was. Mm -hmm. We'd always end up. To, I went to Crosley Field, had had the opportunity, and we sat in the outfield. First time at R Riverfront, we were in the outfield. It was. Uh, I just kind of I just like the angle and like the view and. It's not, not so crowded. You know, oh, and when you watch a game on TV, you always see behind home plate yeah. kind of that view. So yeah. it's fun to go see. Yeah. I sit here up in the press box, and everywhere I go, I always have – I'm always looking through a net. I'm always looking yeah. from this angle, and there's nothing wrong with it. But usually when I go to a ballpark, I always want to sit yeah. anywhere else but behind home plate. I, I do. You see me wandering around. Sure. I, I'll come down, and if I got a kid from out of town or like Kent's father couldn't make it the other night – I went out and took some pictures for him for the game, you know. I'd, so I get right behind West the West Virginia game, I think, dug out, and uh, and I stood there for like two innings. I thought this is a good view right here. Mm -hmm. You're standing there right by that gate, and really good angle. Just gotta watch for the foul balls there. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> What's your favorite ballpark that you've ever been to? Not prospectly, but just in general. I would have to say Fenway. We we didn't get to see the game. The game was uh, against the Yankees, and it got postponed. So we did a tour of Fenway on a on a rainy day, but stopped long enough for our tour. So just being able to walk around it and and the history and uh, it actually just popped up on my timeline recently. Our visit to Fenway and also like like Wrigley, Wrigley. I like the older parks. Sure, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the older older places. Did you ever go to Bossy Field in Evansville when the Paints were in the Frontier League? I always League? wanted to do that. That's I, a really cool ballpark. Yeah, that's what I was talking to jo uh, Josh McGraw, coach mm -hmm. at uh, Jackson. He's a Portsmouth boy, and he played for Evansville for a few years, and he asked me, he said, do you remember when the Paints were going to trade for me? And he goes, I really didn't want to come. And he said, because I love playing in that ballpark yeah. that much. He said, we had a good team. We had a good bunch of guys. He goes, but trade fell through, and he said, it never happened, so – that was always one of my favorite places to go in my short time in the Frontier League. And they bill it as the third oldest ballpark with professional baseball in America behind Wrigley and Fenway. Yeah. And you do feel like you're stepping back in time. And it's not like some old ballparks where you go to and there are cracks and things. I mean, yeah. it's immaculate. It's very well taken care of. And they still have a lot of the advertisements up in the stadium from a league of their own yeah. when they did part of the movie there. Field was always in really good shape. I forgot one. I have to back up. Rickwood Field in Birmingham, okay. Alabama. I got to stop. I made Carol stop by. We were on our way to, <laughs> to the Gulf of Mexico to Biloxi. She knew what she was getting into, yeah, right? I said, it's just off 20 here. It's not that bad. Kind of a bad neighborhood, but we got there and they were renovating it. And a guy let us kind of take a peek in. And uh, it's where the movie 42 was filmed. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess numerous other movies. But I think somebody who is the Barons still the, play one game a year yeah, there to make yep. sure it's still like the oldest active yeah. professional stadium. I think they do, and it's uh, it's still got like you said the ticket prices from you know the day. Sometimes you wish they were real, real right? Oh yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it was pretty impressive. 
Another thing that's been pretty impressive is uh, how the Paints have played here over the last few games. Uh, four straight wins coming in, back-to-back -back run rule wins. And yeah. Been a, been a little bit more fun here lately than it was <laughs> early in the season, uh, right? We, yeah, we talked about that, didn't we? It was tough to watch. It was, But you get thrown in one day's practice, new guys, guys that aren't going to play the rest of the season. You know, you got all these guys in here. Basically just get in thrown into a bowl of adversity, yeah, right? in and out. And I kind of felt, I felt sorry for John Penn. This is a tough first job for anybody. I mean, you don't know what you're getting into. And it's, yep. everything changes daily. You know, your personnel changes daily. But uh, I think once he got a handle on it, I think he's, he's turned it around pretty good. And, and I'm happy for him. I work with his dad, Larry, out to, out to the plant. and uh, I met him last night. He came up yeah. to the booth. And Larry, if I told him guys, if if John has half the work ethic Larry has, that he's gonna do fine because Larry is one working guy, and he he's just he's got the same routine, and he does his job, and he does it well, and he's one of those guys that never misses work. Yeah, John, I think is enjoying himself. I think it was hard to enjoy it early, just yeah. because of all of the things that get thrown at you, especially at the beginning yeah. of the season. And he even said opening night, he's like, it was 6.30, and then the next thing I knew, the first game was over and had no idea what happened. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. jokingly, obviously, he knew what happened in the game, but yeah. you know, it was a huge crowd that night and fireworks in the first game of the season. And you just met all your players two days ago and all those things. And I know I joke with him. Brian Bigham always joked about when you're at third base, if you send the guy and he gets thrown out, you get yelled at by the, the by the fans and the bleachers that are thirty feet away. And if you don't send the guy, then you get yelled at for not sending the guy from the fans over there. So, you know, John's gotten a little bit of a taste of that. But everybody also, you know, all the coaches, Brian and John, both will will tell you that that's one of the great things about being here is because the fans care. Exactly. And that's what I was just going to say. This everybody here loves the team. We love to win. I mean, we're not going to win every game, but we. We don't take losing very well. Yeah. I mean, haven't we, been a lot of losing years over <laughs> no, the years. We, we don't like to lose, and uh, things like that will happen. But it's it's all meant well. I mean, nobody nobody means any ill will towards anybody. But you'll hear you'll hear quite a few boos, especially the umpires. Oh, yeah. yeah. Umpires get booed quite a bit here. Yeah, yeah they do. You, you know, it's funny because even when we have the high school umpires, uh, when they start the season here, they'll say, yep, must be baseball season at the VA because you can hear the guy in the third row behind home plate like he's sitting a foot behind you, kind of just echoes out onto the field. Uh, but, you know, the umpires usually take that in, in pretty good stride as well. Oh, yeah. That's, that's part of the job. Well, Ron, if you were going to say something to anybody who was maybe thinking about becoming a host family, you know, what's, what's your sales pitch? You will not regret what you do. Um, you will meet some of the nicest people, some of the nicest young men that you'll ever meet in your life. I don't know what it is about baseball players, but they are very good young men. And the experiences over the years, you know, the, the keeping in touch with people, you know, 18, you know, 16, 18 years ago, and being able to chat with them and just uh, – just the satisfaction of it, you know. You know. You know. You help somebody, and and it's always good to help somebody. And these guys really appreciate what you do for them. Well, and I always appreciate when I show up to the ballpark and you're here, and uh, usually a smile on your face, and <laughs> excited to be here whenever you get here, whether it's you know in the the middle of a high school game or a couple hours before a paints game, like I asked you to do today. Uh, always look forward to coming out to the ballpark and seeing you here. 
and uh, always cheering on the paints. Thanks yeah. for uh, chatting with me here at Roll Paints. Roll Paints. I appreciate it, Jacob. You know, we've been friends a while now, yep. and I uh, always enjoy talking baseball with you, whether it's winter or summer or fall. A huge thank you to Ron for joining us this week on Horse and Around. I know there is no one rooting for the paints and the players as hard as Ron does. I did get one question for this week's mailbag, and it comes from Loretta, who noticed that the umpires will signal to the press box after each mound visit during games this season and asks, why do they do that? Is there a limit or a rule regarding mound visits? And the answer is yes. While the Prospect League plays mostly under NCAA rules, the Prospect League's mound visit rule is actually the Major League Baseball rule that states A, Mound visits without a pitching change shall be limited to six per team per nine innings. For any extra innings played, each club shall be entitled to one additional non-pitching change mound visit per inning. And B, official baseball rule 510 elsewhere in the rule book, which governs mound visits by a manager or a coach, remains in effect. Uh, for example, a pitcher must be removed on the second visit by a manager or a coach in the same inning. So oftentimes you'll see the pitching coach come out in one inning to visit the, the mound and talk to the pitcher. And then the second time in the same inning, whether it's the pitching coach or the manager, the pitcher then has to be removed just like it has always been. The rule book also goes on to define what constitutes a mound visit and maybe more importantly, what doesn't in some detail and throws in some exceptions for when a pitcher and a catcher may have signs mixed up, in which case the catcher can go out to the mound and clear that up with the pitcher without being charged an official mound visit. In that case, the umpire is supposed to go out with the catcher to the mound and make sure that that is all that is discussed. Thanks for the question, Loretta. And if you are listening and have a question that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, just send me an email at jacob at chillicothepains.com. That does it for this episode of Horsin' Around. Until next time, I'm Jacob Wise. Thanks so much for listening. Roll Paints. <laughs>